You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Lena McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. Trying to, uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get all the way through the All-22 tape, so we're going to take some questions today, which should be fun, and then we'll do a full All-22 review tomorrow. Um, I don't know what's going on with NFL locking me out of, the, I, of, of Game Pass, man. Listen... A, a little, a little tip for all you guys that do like to use the. All yes, 22. thank you for this. By the uh, way, they, first of all, they've been coming out earlier this year. The film has. So if you, if the Cowboys play a Sunday night game, it'll probably come out about six p.m. Eastern time on, uh, on on Sunday. It'll come out Monday afternoon. Um, so what you need to do to make sure you can access the All Twenty Two. Go into the game, even if it says that the coach's film isn't available. Go into the broadcast and then change it from the broadcast from to the, the drop down. Film once, from the drop down, yeah. One, yes, from the drop down. Once you're actually in the game, it's worked for me all season long. But it typically comes out about six, seven o'clock uh, the day after. So just make sure that you guys go ahead and check that out. All right, so today we are going to go through your Twitter questions. Uh, you guys, <laughs> about ten minutes ago, I asked you guys for questions and. You guys send us in over 20 you different you questions. You don't fail us, guys. It's pretty amazing. No, you, you guys are pretty fantastic. So we're going to try to run through as many of these as we can uh, as possible. Um, and let's go ahead and start with Stephen James. And this seems to be the most common question of the day. Landon, would you consider playing Suofilo, Xavier Suofilo, the guard, even if Connor Williams is healthy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, it's a, it's at least a question, right? I mean, I, I think Absolutely. he uh, he played really well, and like I said, I've only been through about half the the, the foot of the all twenty two, but from what I saw, he played a pretty good game against some really tough competition. Um, you know, he wasn't a, a huge uh, liability. Um, he he held up at times in pass protection, and he you know even when he wasn't, he was able to push people past the pocket. Um, I think that having his strength in the middle of the of the of the pocket, you know, helped Dak at times. Um, I, you know, look, I, I think that Connor Williams is going to be a fantastic player in this league, and and likely will end up being a better player than uh, Xavier. I mean, definitely should end up being a better player than Xavier Sufilo has sure. been to at least to this point in his career. But I think that at the same time, you know, Xavier's playing well, or at least played well last weekend. Um, you know, and I think he may have played better than we've seen Connor Williams play, uh, you know, overall, uh, these last few weeks. So, um, I think that there should be, yes, I, th I think there should be a, definitely a competition at the very least when he gets back. We don't know exactly what his, uh, health status is going to be. Um, but, uh, I mean, Connor Williams when he comes back, I mean, um, but I think that, you know, there is enough. Uh, of a, a good, there's enough good tape out there of Xavier at this point um, that I think it should at least be a consideration. Um, and 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 at the very least, you have to feel a lot more confident about your you know your guard, your backup guard situation because of at the very least, you feel like you've got you know 
two guys that can play that left guard position and one in the and the one who doesn't win the spot uh can serve as a very solid backup sure uh, it, it shouldn't be that surprising that Xavier Suofilo is competent. Uh, he has 3,000 career snaps in the NFL. Uh, he played okay for the last two years with the Texans. Uh, the Cowboys were just looking for a competent guard, and for the most part, Connor Williams has been that this season. But over the last couple of weeks, I think he's kind of hit a, a rookie wall a little bit. Um, we Listen, the great thing about this is Dallas doesn't have to decide this yeah. week if Connor Williams it should be benched. There, in my opinion... They're going to get at least two more games of Suofilo this week against Atlanta and then the following against against the Redskins. They don't have to make a decision. Suofilo could drop off. His play could get better the more he plays. I think we'll have a better answer, you know, to this in about two weeks from now. Yeah, and uh, the other thing too that is that it it could easily go either way because I I I mean and and it could get better. You know, because here's the thing is that Suofilo. I mean, I think this isn't just. This isn't necessarily just a guy off the street, you know. This is this guy was a second round pick as a guard, you know. So he this he had talent. We talked about it on Twitter that like, this is a guy that at least I and I'm, I thought I think you liked too coming out of yep. college a lot, yep. and um, you know, and then just went to Houston and things just didn't work out the the way that, that that everyone wanted. But I still think that you know there's an opportunity that if this guy comes in and continues to play well, that I mean he's pushing for the job, you know. So I think. Connor Williams is, is is an exceptional talent. We all knew that he probably needed a redshirt year to kind of get to his strength his strength level up to where it needed to be, and that's clearly still his his weakness is that he's a little bit light in his pants for a guard. Um, so the question now becomes like, what happens for the rest of the season? Is Xavier a better option until you know Connor gets a, a full off season under his belt in an NFL training room? Um, maybe, but either way, I think you have to feel pretty good that you've got talented options there, you know, and that, that a guy like Xavier Sufila, who, you know, like we said, didn't really work out, you know, and it's weird how offensive linemen kind of fall off like that, you know, second round picks, let their contracts expire. And then suddenly they just, you know, drift. I I don't know that like a second round equivalent, who played the way that Xavier Sufilo did at wide receiver or another position kind of would get lost in the wash the way that he did. So, uh, you know, kudos for to Will McClay for picking him up and uh and I think kudos for Xavier to play from play well for playing well. Our next question comes from Charlie. DeMarcus Lawrence has he had five and a half sacks over the first four weeks, only one sack since should the Cowboys be concerned about DeMarcus Lawrence? Uh, I will let you go first, but I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I don't have a lot. Um, it's no. I mean, <laughs> he's yes. playing fantastic. I mean, I, the, there's more to the game than sacks for sure. He's provided a ton of pressure. Uh, he's definitely, you know, it's a lot like the Coopers thing, you know, where you need to look beyond just the stat line to know what the impact is, right? And I think when you look at Lawrence, he's getting a lot of attention, and he's still managing to uh, produce pressure. And he's also playing extreme – I mean, he probably is the best run-defending defensive end in football at this point, or at least top five, you know? So um, beyond being also one of the top five or six pass rushers in the NFL. So, um, no, I have no concerns about uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. He is a uh, defensive MVP-type player uh, who may not be getting the full stats at this point, but uh, I have no doubt that he's playing well, that he's going to continue to play well, and that he's going to get a big contract and be a Dallas Cowboy for a long time. 
couple of quick things of note before we move on. First of all, he's really hurt. I mean, he's got a pretty bad shoulder injury that he's battling through right now. Um, and he's still playing at a high level, in my opinion. I think sacks at times can be kind of a fluky yes. stat. And obviously that's that's what you want from a pass rusher is you want those sacks. Uh, but the, the, the thing I look at when I'm looking at impactful players on the defensive line are tackles for a loss because that obviously incorporates sacks, but also your impact in the run game. While Demarcus Lawrence has just six and a half sacks this season, that puts him tied for 17th in the league. He has the third most tackles for a loss uh, this year with 12. The only players ahead of him, uh, Daniil Hunter with 13 and Aaron Donald with 16. Uh, He's still an incredibly impactful player. I have absolutely no concerns about Demarcus Lawrence going forward. Let's take a quick break and we will come right back and we will answer some more of your Twitter questions. Okay, our next question comes from Chase Baloney. I love this question. And great Twitter name. Uh, Does this defense actually play better without Sean Lee? The eye test says yes. We kind of discussed this yesterday. We kind of both thought that we think they're better with Leighton Van Der Esch on the field. Uh, kind of going back and watching the tape again, do you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love Sean Lee, and I, I don't want to – I hate when players, you know, lose it or, you know, they, they're just not – they look the shell of themselves, you know. That's what we're starting to see with Sean Lee. And, 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 and it, it happens so precipitously. It's just – it's kind of crazy just because, you know, you see him on the field last year and he looks fine, and then suddenly he's missing time at training camp. And we're not seeing him a ton. He gets out in the first few games, and he just doesn't look the same, you know. And um, he's not playing with the same uh, consistency, you know, a high, a high level consistency. He's showing, he shows us those plays. I mean, he still does every once in a while those plays where he reads, he di- diagnoses it, he pulls the trigger, and he gets there, and, and it's and it's amazing to watch. But more way more often than we've ever seen before we're also seeing him you know get beaten badly outside because he can't get there or you know he is not diagnosing it correctly or he you know can't he sees it but he can't you know get to where he needs to go and then on top of all that you know he's also getting injured on a on a level now that's less than 50 snaps you know, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's very so uh, beyond the the just the I guess the continuity issue. Um, you know, it's is is it worth getting him on the field? You know, and not giving Leighton Vanderesh those snaps uh, is is what he's doing on the field when he's there on the field worth taking Leighton Vanderesh off the off the field for? And I don't know that it is at this point. Our next question comes from Austin. Um, is this team a vertical tight end away from playoff runs? Um, this is probably a question in response to Dak Prescott's passing chart. If you guys have been following me on Twitter for a while, I, every week I post Prescott's next-gen passing chart from that game and then from the season. On the year, the Cowboys have completed just two passes beyond nine yards, basically in the middle of the field or within the hash marks. Um, 
I'm not sure, and I'm, I'm going to kind of toss this to you. I'm not sure that's by design because that's where a lot of your interceptions come from when there's a lot of traffic, or if that's due to Prescott just not having the, the weapons in the middle of the field to challenge you know, the deep vertical seam. Uh, how much of an impact do you think a, a, a vertical tight end can make in the, this well, offense? Well, I would add, I, it's a tough question. It's a complicated question, but I would also add to the difficulty of calculating that how much of that is because teams are playing a lot of singles high versus our our offense in order to have a safety down in the box to prevent the run and thereby quite a bit so I would, I would if that's the case now you've got a middle of the field close an mofc situation for those of you guys have dug into playbooks yep. before uh and and so that would mean that you know those kind of you know a seam route like that is something that it's not you're not asking the free safety to go very far in order to cover to provide support there so i i wonder if maybe what they're doing is they're using I mean, you know, technically they should be trying to get the ball outside and forcing that safety to play, you know, the entirety of the field. Uh, I I wonder if, you know, maybe the lack of personnel to do that previously has has been kind of slowing that up. Um, I think without the ability to draw something to the outside um, to kind of clear out that space in the seam, I don't know that. Uh, a vertical seam buster that you know that everyone's talking about is um, useful on its own. You know, I think I think I think that I think that you need to be drawing attention to the outside more. Which maybe maybe now that we've got Cooper, that's that's what the idea is, and that you know you can hit him with with the the tight end seam. You know, kind of after drawing the safety outside to make sure that they're dealing with coverage. Long story short, I don't know that a specifically, you know, only tight end seam type tight end is going to be the the complete, you know, main thing that the, the catalyst that that propels us into the playoffs. I, I think right. a solid to good, you know, all, all around tight end could definitely help this team. Um, and potentially do that, but I don't know that just get it. You know, I mean, technically, I don't know that Rico Gathers can't do that. I mean, you know, as far as just running up the seam and catching the ball, I mean, he's not necessarily a speed guy, but uh, you know, he's a big target who can get up there and get the ball. And uh, you know, I feel just as good about Rico's chances in a kind of jump ball situation versus a f- a free safety as I do almost any other tight end. So. Right. I, I think I the, the the tendency is more to to get a, a more complete tight end who can be a threat in a, in a variety of ways, which would continue to. I mean, again, what's the reason I think this team is starting to work a little bit more is that now that you've added Cooper, it's a lot of things to have to cover. It's a lot of things to have to deal with. You got a running quarterback. You got a wide receiver who can get get open at will. You've got a, a, a running back who's elite. You know, and now these pieces are starting to kind of fall into place. So I, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that like a, a one trick pony tight end necessarily moves the needle that much. I agree, but I I think. I think that's going to be a need uh, yeah, in the future. I definitely, they're going to need to get somebody. I definitely that can think get that there. it's a piece we should get. I, I'm just saying that I don't know that it's like the you know Charles Haley piece to to you know 
propel us into the new dawn of Cowboys football. You know, I I I think oh, I think I it's a spot. Yeah. I mean, tight end is one hundred percent going to be a target in the draft. I would feel or a free agency. I would think, um, but I, I don't know that you know them going to get one right now is like going to be the the final piece. I, I the if they, this team picks it up and starts to actually do something with themselves, it's going to because the pieces that they have in play are finally congealing and, and playing together in a way that they just haven't the first 10 weeks you know, of the season. Carlos, we t- speaking of Cooper, Carlos wants to know, I know you guys did not dislike the Amari Cooper trade, but do you feel better about it after two games? Um, I'll go ahead and take this one to start. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I loved, I loved Amari Cooper in Oakland. I was fortunate enough to be covering the Raiders this year, uh, so I got to watch a, a lot of him play. Um I felt like a first-round pick was a little too expensive given that you only have him for a year and a half. Um, But he's exactly what the Cowboys' offense has needed, and not just this year, but over the last several years. They needed a guy on the outside that can get open with ease and that can can win by route running and not just – physical athleticism and being able to, you know, beat out guys on jump balls and that kind of stuff. Uh, he, he's the perfect receiver for a Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan offense. Um, gave up a little bit too much for him, in my opinion, but it, still, you couldn't have asked for a better fit. What do you think about Cooper? Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, it's just increased my thought process there. I think he, I think it's, you know, I'm thrilled with it. I mean, I, 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 I like the, the move because, I again, I think we we examine the cost in a vacuum, and we shouldn't, because the truth of the matter is, is that the first round pick that we gave up, we were probably going to have to spend on an offensive playmaker of some sort. We weren't going to be able to get right. an offensive playmaker, and these are all things we've all gone over before. But we weren't going to get an offensive playmaker like Cooper with our first round pick, likely with you know, no matter where we were drafting, uh, at wide receiver, a tight end uh, that was going to be able to come in and play even next year immediately and, and be this, the kind of catalyst that this offense needs to be good anytime soon. Um, I think that his impact has been great. I mean, his, his impact has been mighty. And, and, and the fact that, you know, it's, I, I think if you go back and look at uh, the rushing totals for Zeke and, and Philadelphia, I mean, we talked about it. I kind of have to think that a lot of this had to do with the fact that they were terrified about what their undrafted free agents corners were going to be able to do against Amari Cooper. And then it took a lot yeah. of extra, you know, attention from the safety position to to make them feel comfortable about that. And then while they were doing that, they were the Cowboys were able to open up bigger lanes because they had one less guy in the box to deal with. Um, so, you know, I think I think that have, keeping all that in mind – the first round pick to me is not was not too much to ask specifically because I think that you got you got a guy that you you know you you, you would hope to be getting if, if you drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Oh yeah, I mean more, yeah, I more mean than like that. I, that's the thing is that I don't like I, I think that people aren't even still fully grasping what what the kind of player we got yet because I, I mean my concern was only that. I really didn't have too many concern when he came over, you know, like, so it was more like, is this just, is he going to just fall off? I mean, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Because you watch him at Oakland, he's an incredible route runner for a guy his size and to have that speed. It's like, what, what happened there? You know, what, why, why did this not work out? And, and a lot of it, I'll, I'll, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I mean I no, but you. I was just going to say a lot of it is obviously, 
looking back now, we can confirm that a lot of it is that Oakland's a train wreck, you know, and that, and I mean, but at the same time, you can't, you know, you can't be certain before that, you know, until that guy gets over here and you see what he can do with your team and gets out of that situation. You can't be certain. But I think now that we've seen that he is that guy, he is this incredible route runner talent. He is the speed guy. He is a guy who's savvy uh, wide receiver. Uh, I think that, you know, it was definitely worth the trade. And I think the Cowboys are going to be thrilled with him uh, this the rest of the season and going into the future. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Um, once the season is over and the Cowboy fans start to dig into the draft film and the tape, they're going to feel a lot better about Amari Cooper. Um, I've already started studying these wide receivers, and there's a few that I like. There's nobody in this class that's even close to the caliber of Amari Cooper. On top of that, you already know exactly what Amari Cooper yeah. is in the NFL. You know that he's a great route runner. You know that he can be a Pro Bowl receiver. Once people start looking at these receivers, because this is the way it always is. Those draft picks draft picks have so much more value until a player is actually picked. Because once they're picked, uh, you know... It, it, you lose all the mystery of what it could be. Um, I think of a, a family guy quote where they have a mystery box and they have a chance to choose a boat or a mystery box. And said yeah, but Peter Lois, it could be a boat. The mystery box. So it's gonna be bo- it, it could be a boat. boat. Right. It could be anything. It could be a boat. It, exa- right. It, you, you, exactly. You're hoping that one of these receivers becomes 90% of Amari Cooper. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. That's it exactly. Uh, that's a great analogy, ahead. honestly, because it's it's – it's the unlimited possibility of the first-round pick that is what is making everyone salivate over the fact that you traded the first-round pick. If you look at the nitty-gritty of what you can actually select in April of 2019, I mean, there's only certain play- there's only so many players that can- are even eligible for the draft. So they know the totality of those players, basically. So they've, they've taken a right. look at those guys and what the kind of players are going to be available to them or could potentially be available to them. And, you know, I don't think it's that difficult to look at that list and then think Amari Cooper is better than every guy on that list. Absolutely. Um, you know, just, just for comparison's sake, let's say that the, the, the Cowboys would have had somewhere between the 13th and 15th pick. Um, you know, you look at like a 2016 draft. That was Carl Joseph, Laramie Tunsil, and Corey Coleman. I mean, one of those three players is good. I mean, that's, there's no guarantee that this, that you, if you get a pick inside the top 16, it's going to be a hit. So calm down, watch some of the draft film. I promise you'll feel a lot better about Amari one, Cooper. One, one last forward. thing. Right, one last thing. Co- Go ahead. If we've trusted the Cowboys this entire time to make first-round picks, they've hit first-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick. This is the same group that's been hitting all those first-round picks all these years, and they are willing to give up their first round for this guy. So I, I think if you I trust agree. them to evaluate the draft pick to get a first-round pick, you should trust them that this trade was worth the first-round pick. I agree. All right, our last question comes from Anthony. The offensive line played really well this last week. I, I, I might disagree with that, but how much is that credited to Mark Colombo and Hudson Howe? And do you expect that con- to continue? Uh, I mean, I think Mark and Hudson had a lot – going for them because again they're going back to a system that this group is familiar with you know and i think that is automatically making the you know it's a lot harder to you know 
chart a new path as a as a coach the way Anderson uh, Alexander was doing, uh, and, and then it is right. to kind of you know go back to the the thing that was working or that you're familiar with. So uh, the good news for those guys for Hudson and Colombo is that they are you know there's some familiarity there with everyone except for Connor Williams, um, and there's um, you know there's some language that they all speak that they can, you know, quickly kind of get back up to speed. Um, uh, you know, I tend to agree that I think that they played better. They they are playing better, but they are not playing well yet. Um, no, I mean, I think all. considering what the, the opponent, they played a good game last week. Uh, but this, it wasn't a case where, you know, the players that we were expecting to dominate dominated necessarily. So, um, I th- Prescott's still getting yeah. hit a lot. That's that's the concern. Yeah, thing and, for me. and and some of it is him, but some of it is also him having been hit a lot and trying to get away from being hit a well, lot. There was a there was a play down in the red zone where he threw a I think a nine yard slant to was this Amari the twist. Cooper. The twist play. That no, they... that that was a different one. Oh, that yeah. was the one where Adam Redman was in the game. That throw to but there Cooper was, another was so one where impressive, Joe... man. He was falling back. I mean, he had a guy in his face, and he just winged it all arm and gave, got it to Cooper on that slant. And uh, But, I mean, yeah, he's just getting people in his face a lot, you know? Yeah, and Joe Looney, I mean, did as, as good as we would have done out there because he, basically Fletcher Cox flew yeah. right by him, drilled Prescott, and somehow he was able to make the throw. I mean... When I went back and watched the film, I was a lot more yeah. impressed with Prescott considering some of the pressure that he was in, especially yeah. in the first half. I mean, he got hit hard, not only dropping back, but a couple times when he was taking yeah. off of the ball, man, he got drilled. So I, I was very impressed with Prescott holding up against I that. I think it was the front. play before that, or maybe it was the twist play that I was referring to. Uh, I, I think you actually gift, if I'm not mistaken, where yeah, uh, it wasn't Bennett, it was uh, Graham. Oh my it was god! Just yep. Absolutely unloaded on on Prescott, and, th- and this is in the first half. I know because I mean, I, like I said, I've only gotten through the first half. So, um, yeah, he took. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, he had three sacks in the first half. You know, and and must have gotten hit. A, yeah, he got another hit four seven times. times he got hit seven times in the yeah, first half. I mean, that's just that's way too much. So I don't. You know, I think. They figured something out, and they got a little bit better protection in the second half because I only think he got sacked once in the second half. But um, but yep. still, yeah, I, I think this offensive line still has a ways to go. I think they're playing better because, yes, they are more comfortable with what they're being asked to do. And, yes, I think uh, I probably trust Hudson Houck as a play designer or a p- protection designer th- than I do than Alexander or really anybody. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that – that stuff is going to get better and that they are going to get better. Um, but I also think we should recognize that they d- haven't played a complete game yet as an offensive line. I mean, I think they, they need, they, there's still a ways to go with that. All right. That's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time.